Hi, and welcome to the Country Hope Church podcast. We're based in regional Queensland with locations in Chinchilla, Gainda, Jandawi, and Meandara. We hope you enjoy this episode and we invite you to join us for a Sunday service. For full details, head to our website, www.countryhope.church. Two weeks till Easter. Do you know that? Two weeks till Easter. Uh, it seems to creep up on you. Do you remember, maybe if you're as old as me, that when hot cross buns came out in the store, you knew you had two weeks left. Remember that? Now hot cross buns come out on Boxing Day. It's incredible. And Easter eggs have been around since January. So Easter then creeps up on you because you're not really expecting it. Um, if you read through the Gospels, uh, looking at the very first Easter, What's fascinating to me is the historical account that we can read of uh, what Jesus did in the lead up to the first Easter, his death and resurrection. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John were written uh, as a, um, the story of Jesus' life and you can read how he spent his lead up to Easter. And so with two weeks to go to Easter, I thought uh, this week we would look at what Jesus was doing two weeks before Easter Next week, what he was doing the week before Easter. And then, of course, we have Good Friday and Easter Saturday. So two weeks before Easter, 2,000 years ago, uh, it wasn't actually called Easter. It was the Passover uh, celebration that they had. Obviously, Jesus hadn't died, hadn't died and resurrected, so they didn't have Easter. But the Jews celebrated something called the Passover feast, which was much the same thing as they celebrated God's salvation and God saving them. And so two weeks before Jesus was entering Jerusalem, so next Sunday, the week before, is when he actually went into Jerusalem. You can read in the biblical accounts. But two weeks before, he was entering a city called Jericho with his disciples. Jericho is an interesting city. It's one of the oldest cities in the world. Uh, Archaeologists say it's about 11,000 years old, which meant that in Jesus' time, it was ancient then. It was an ancient city, about 25 kilometres from Jerusalem. So if you go out the highway, get to Jingi Jingi Creek, that bridge there, that's about the distance between here and Jericho. But Jericho was uh, an amazing city. It was a rich city. So it was a city where the wealthy and famous used to go and live. Uh, It was where the king, Herod, built his summer palace. So it's a bit like Noosa. If you live in Noosa, just by the way, Jono and Salem Buchanan are here today. Uh, They they live in Noosa now. Uh, They live with the rich and famous. Um, So the rich and famous lived in Jericho. It was really exclusive. And because of that, it was an interesting city because you had a massive contrast. You had the rich and the famous living in Jericho, but in the roads leading into Jericho, you had beggars, a lot of beggars on the streets because they would think, well, the rich and famous, they're a good target. So as you walked into Jericho, you would walk past beggars, people that uh, were obviously not wealthy at all, But inside the city, it was extremely wealthy. And about two weeks before Easter, Jesus was walking into Jericho. In the Gospels, we read that he encountered two men as he came into Jericho. One was extremely poor. He was a beggar. One was immensely rich. Two men that you would think had nothing in common. But it's amazing what they did have in common. 
and how a meeting with Jesus completely transformed their lives. The first guy was a guy called Bartimaeus. Can you put that up, Matthew? Can you pass me that special laser thing that never works? Thank you. This is, uh, this is a picture of Bartimaeus. Someone took it on their iPhone. Archaeologists just found it recently. This is Bartimaeus. And I'm going to read you from the Gospel of Luke and the Gospel of Mark. I've sort of meshed them together to tell his story. It says, As Jesus came near the city of Jericho, a blind man named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road, begging. When he heard the people coming down the road, he asked, What's happening? They told him, Jesus from Nazareth is going by. The blind man cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The people uh, leading the group warned him, be quiet, don't shout out. But the blind man shouted out even more, son of David, have mercy on me. Then Jesus stopped and ordered the blind man to be brought to him. The blind man jumped up, left his coat there and went to Jesus. Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man answered, teacher, I want to see then Jesus said, go and see, you are healed because you believed. At once the man could see and he followed Jesus on the road thanking God and all the people who saw him were pra praised God. Now that is a great story. I love that story of the blind man who's able to see. That's guy number one. Guy number two is the immensely wealthy one. I think we've got a picture of him too. He's the immensely wealthy one. Wears a tea towel on his head but he's wealthy again. This is what we read in Luke 19. Jesus was going through the city of Jericho, so he obviously met the beggar on the road in. Now that he's in Jericho, he meets the immensely wealthy man. Jesus was going through the city of Jericho. A man there was named Zacchaeus, who was, who was a very important tax collector, and he was immensely wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but was not able because he was too short to see above the crowd. He ran ahead to a place where Jesus would come and he climbed a sycamore tree so that he could see him. When Jesus came to that place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry up and come down because I must stay at your house today. Zacchaeus came down quickly and welcomed him gladly. All the people who saw this began to complain. Jesus is staying with a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, I will give half of my possessions to the poor and if I've cheated anyone, I will pay them back four times what, what I owe them. Jesus said, salvation has come to his house today because this man also belongs to the family of Abraham. Then Jesus said this verse, and this is a really key verse. The son of man came to find lost people and save them. Two men. You've got the blind beggar. You've got the really, really wealthy tax collector. Interesting that Jesus interacted with these two men in Jericho. That's what is recorded in the Gospels. What could they possibly have in common? Well, first of all, they were both broke. Bartimaeus the beggar, he was obviously broke. People could see it. He was broken physically, he was blind, he was broken financially, he was a beggar. So back in Jesus' time, obviously there was no social security, there was no disability support pension. Uh, the only form of income that a beggar could have was begging on the side of the road, holding his bowl, hoping that people would drop coins in. Fortunately, God in his grace 
had put in the law centuries before uh, clauses that said, if you follow God, you must give to the poor, you must uh, make provision for the needy. And so people did it as an act of worship. They would give to beggars. And that was a, that was a system that helped beggars survive, but he was broke. He was broke physically, he was broke financially, he was broke socially. Because to be blind back then, plenty of people would have regarded him with suspicion. Because there was this idea that if you were blind or if you were deaf or if you were crippled or, or disabled in any way, that it was probably God's punishment on you for something that you did or your parents did. And so people would look at a blind person and they would think, I wonder what he did wrong. I wonder why he deserved that. Now, obviously, that was a wrong thought. And Jesus' disciples one time actually said to him, what did this blind man do or what did his parents do to make him blind? And Jesus said, no, neither. Neither of them did, did anything wrong. So it was a false thing, but it was widely accepted in the community that if you were disabled at all, that it was your fault, that you had something wrong with you. So Bartimaeus was blind. He was broke physically. He was broke uh, um, uh, uh, financially, he was broke socially, he was also a broke emotionally. He was the outcast. Imagine people always judging you for how you looked. Imagine people never accepting you for you, never bothering to get to know you, but just defining you by your disability and wiping you off. He would never have a family, he would never have close people who would love him, he was an outcast. He was broken emotionally. The shame and the isolation that he felt would have been immense. He was broken. What about Zacchaeus? He was an important tax collector. Uh, Luke indicates in his gospel that he was a man of immense wealth. He wasn't just a tax collector, he was a very important, he was the chief, chief tax collector in a rich city. Nevertheless, he was broke too. He was broke socially. Because to be a tax collector in Israel back then, it was one of the worst things you could do. One of the worst labels was uh, to be a tax collector. Because what he was, he was a puppet of the Roman occupying government. And he would uh, collect taxes on behalf of the Roman government. He would send taxes off to Rome, but he would keep a, a big share for himself. And so he was actually considered a traitor to the people of Israel. He was an enemy of God. That's what he was considered, cut off. And so people would ostracise him. He would have no friends at all in the local community. They would hate him. He, like I said, he'd actually be an enemy of the state. And so uh, there was a group of people back then called the Zealots. And their role in life was to try evict the Romans and their sympathisers with force. And, and they would go around and they would assassinate tax collectors. That was part of their role, which makes Jesus' disciples really interesting, by the way, because with Jesus' disciples, one was Simon the Zealot and one was Matthew the tax collector. Sworn enemies come together because of Jesus. Now, that's an interesting story in itself. But this guy would have had to have bodyguards around him all the time. He was cast out into society. So he was broke uh, socially, he was broke emotionally, same thing as Bart, he was an outcast, constantly uh, ridiculed, he was in danger of his life. But this guy, a little bit different, he was broken spiritually. Bartimaeus seemed to have some sort of a faith, he knew who Jesus was, and, but this guy, he didn't have any faith at all. He was broken emotionally and socially and spiritually, he didn't know God. 
So what we have is Jesus coming to Jericho, meeting two broken men. But, now this is a key to this story, both men were keen to meet Jesus, were keen to encounter him. And so you've got Bartimaeus, he began to yell out, Jesus, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. This is significant, the title that he used, Son of David, have mercy on me. That was the title of the coming Messiah. So he believed who Jesus was. He had faith in God. But he yelled out, come, uh, Jesus, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy. Then came the obstacle. He was hungry for God, but then came the obstacle. Mark says in his gospel, many people warned him, be quiet. They warned him. Shut up, we don't want you making a noise, be quiet. So now he's faced an obstacle. Let me tell you, if you make a decision in your life, I want to get close to Jesus, I really want to do something for him, then you're going to face obstacles. The devil doesn't like it, and he's going to throw obstacles in your path. I don't know if you remember this, Rich. We had dinner at Rich's house a few years ago, and I got the board together. And we were talking about the, the building, and I warned the board, I said... When we take steps of faith, we will naturally be attacked. And I said to the board members, this is an encouraging message, I said, um, in the next few months, we will all come under attack in some way and we will have stuff go on that's not very good at all. Do you remember that? And every one of the board, that's when Jono had his accident. Uh, Kent, what did Kent do? Oh, the eye, he had to get flown to Brisbane because he nearly popped his eye out of his head or something. And so we had all this bad stuff go on but that's what happens when you make the decision, I'm going to go for Jesus, I'm going to press into God. For this guy here, the opposition was people telling him to shut up, shut up, be quiet, we don't want to hear. What was his response to that? His response was to yell out all the more. I don't care about the obstacles, I just want to see Jesus. And he kept yelling out all the more and nothing is going to stop me from getting closer to, to Jesus. He made his decision. I'm moving towards Jesus, and no matter what obstacles I face, I'm going to see him. How about Zacchaeus? What about him? He made the decision too. It says in uh, Mark's Gospel, he wanted to see who Jesus was. So Bartimaeus was a Christian. He was a believer in God. He knew who Jesus was, but was broken and wanted to press into God. Zacchaeus was someone who didn't know Jesus at all, but wanted to know who Jesus was. He came up against his obstacle too. He was not able to because he was so short. His obstacle was he couldn't see over the head of the crowd to see who Jesus was. I was thinking about that this week actually. I was talking to a, a person a couple of weeks ago who doesn't go to church and said they'd really like to know about Jesus, but the problem is they know lots of church people and church people put them off coming to church because church people tend to be the most judgmental and nasty people. And so he wouldn't come to church because of church people. Now, obviously, that's a bit of an excuse. But then I thought, may we never be the crowd that stop people seeing Jesus because they can't see past us. May we as a church community not be blocking people's view of Jesus because we can't let them see over us. That was Zacchaeus's problem. He couldn't see over. But then he did something about it as well. It says he ran ahead on his little legs. He got to the tree, he jumped up high, grabbed the branch and climbed the tree. 
and waited for Jesus to come. When you want to get closer to Jesus, and maybe you're sitting here today and you've been a Christian for a long time, but you're going through a tough time in your life, or your Christian faith is a little bit stale, if you want to press into Jesus, if you want more of him in your life, you will face obstacles. If you're a a non-believer, if you're just here today checking out what church is about, if you push into Jesus, you will probably face obstacles in your life. But as you keep going in, as you keep pressing in and seeing what Jesus is like, then it's amazing what happens. These guys, they wanted to know Jesus. They pressed into him, but they both faced obstacles. But both of these guys were willing to pay the price. This is Bart now, close to Jesus. Jesus is talking to him. I want to read this from the Gospels. It says, Jesus stopped and said, tell that man to come here. So they called the blind man saying, cheer up, get on your feet. Jesus is calling you. So the blind man jumped up. He left his coat where it was and he went to Jesus. He left his coat where it was. Now that little little line that Mark puts in his gospel is so significant. We can tend to overlook what that line means, but when Mark put that in, he put it in deliberately about leaving his coat where it was because it was such a significant act. Uh, It wasn't just a coat. You see, Bartimaeus was a beggar. So uh, obviously he got all his income from begging. Back then, how could you tell that someone was a legitimate beggar and not just someone rich who's just, or someone who's lazy? How could you tell that someone's a legitimate beggar in need? Well, what they did is they had a system where if you were legitimately disabled and couldn't work, you would then go to the town leadership and they would give you a special coat called a beggar's coat. And it would signify to people, this one is really legitimate. He's a legitimate beggar. He's not just being lazy. So it's good to give to him. It's safe to give to this person. So for a beggar, the beggar's coat was the most important thing that they had. Before they went anywhere, they would make sure they had their coat with them. A bit like our mobile phones today. I never go anywhere without my mobile phone. It's got all my money on it, all my contacts, all my... I always make sure I've got it in my pocket or I never leave anywhere and go anywhere without my mobile phone. This guy needed his coat. But when he had the chance to go and see Jesus, it said he left his coat behind. The significance of that is amazing. He was so keen to see Jesus and to allow Jesus to input into his life that he sacrificed the most important thing that he had, his whole financial security. He said, I don't care, I'm leaving it behind. I just want to see Jesus. I just want him to speak into my life. That's faith on another level. This is faith that says, I will do whatever it takes to move forward in Jesus. I will leave behind my financial security. I'll leave behind my dreams, my desires, my comfort. I'm willing to go and do whatever it takes to to press in and to get closer to Jesus. Now that's a big call for this guy to do. Zacchaeus did the same. This is the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus came down from the tree quickly and uh, and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw that Zacchaeus was going to go take Jesus to his house And they said, Jesus is staying with a sinner, with a a tax collector. 
Now, like I said, tax collectors were the worst of the worst. Uh, the, the, the labels given were prostitutes, sinners, and tax collectors. So tax collectors were, were the worst of the worst, and they're saying, what's he doing going to this guy's place? Then Zacchaeus stood and he said, I will give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anyone, I'll pay back four times more. This guy, before meeting Jesus, loved money. It was his prime motivation. So much so that he would risk his own life as a tax collector to become wealthy. But when he met Jesus, when he pressed in and saw who Jesus was, he gave everything away for the just to touch Jesus and to have Jesus speak into his life. Half his possessions to the poor, and then it says four times whatever he owed anyone else. So most scholars say what he's actually doing is giving away everything. By the end of this process, he would have had nothing left. But for him to meet Jesus and to say to Jesus, hey, I want to meet you, and here he is on his knees. I want to press into you. I want something from you. I'm willing to give away everything. To press into Jesus. What a challenge that is for me. What am I willing to do to move forward in Jesus? Uh, Rich and Joe are willing to move to South Australia. That's a big call, mate. That's huge. What am I willing to do to go forward in Jesus? Uh, I'm willing to give away my comfort. Uh, I'm willing to give away financially. I'm willing to give away my dreams just to move forward in Jesus. It's funny, church, in the 21st century, we can make Jesus a commodity that makes us feel good, but not actually have that desire to move forward in him and give away to meet with him. And if I come to church one Sunday out of four, that's enough. That's all I have to do. And if I volunteer once every six months in church, that's enough. That's all I have to do. These guys weren't consumers. They were willing to sacrifice everything just to get closer to Jesus. Now, that's a heart that is willing to break through and willing to sacrifice it all just to touch something in God. The great thing about these guys is their faith, their desire, their hunger paid off in spades. And we have... Oh, went the wrong way. We have the blind man... Who could see? When he pressed in, when he overcame the obstacles, when he left his coat behind and went and saw Jesus, it said that Jesus said, your faith has made you, has healed you. And it says that he followed Jesus, praising God, and so did everyone else. This guy who was so hungry for God, pressed in, overcame the obstacles, did whatever it took, found his sight. Instantly, his brokenness was healed. He was restored. This guy's life completely changed. For Zacchaeus, here he is giving away all his money. His life completely changed as well. Meeting with Jesus, having faith in Jesus, completely transformed his whole life, all his perspective on life. Whereas once he was money hungry and didn't care about people, he gave it all away. It was worth it just to meet with Jesus. And it completely transformed his life. What we don't know from the Gospels is what happened next. I'd like to think that 20 years later, these guys are in church together and they're good mates. 
and they were continuing to move on for God and they were giving to their community and they were seeing people healed and brought into the church. And I'd love to think 20 years later there was a great church in Jericho with these two guys at the forefront of what was happening because they touched something in Jesus. They met him and he, they allowed him to transform them. Meeting with Jesus completely changed their life. But it came with determination, with a hunger to press into God. It came with that desire, I'm going to overcome any obstacle that I face to move forward in God. And it actually came with that commitment, I will sacrifice whatever I have to move forward in Jesus. Jesus said those words, the Son of Man came to find people and make them whole. The only way that you'll find wholeness in life is through Jesus Christ. Money will never do it. Other people will never do it. Nothing that you can find on earth will ever give you that satisfaction and make you whole except a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. These two were willing to push through and see the reward. The challenge for me, I'm like Bartimaeus, I have a faith, I know God, but the challenge for me is sometimes I sit back and I let life pass me by and I'm not as hungry to live for God as I should be and I'm not willing to overcome the obstacles and, and I don't sacrifice much because I'm comfortable with my faith and then I end up being a stale Christian. Stale Christians are never neutral. What I've found is people that aren't moving forward in God tend to then be a negative. They're negative about God, their faith. They're negative about the church. They're negative about people around them. They're never positive about their faith. And they become the people that my non-church mate talked about, that they're the ones that I wouldn't go to church because of those people. That's what happens when we don't press forward in God. For the other guy, he was someone who didn't know God at all. Maybe you're here today in this service and you've come to see what God is like. You can actually take steps towards God today and meet with someone who will transform your life and give you wholeness in your life. These guys were healed. Didn't mean they didn't have tough times in the future, but everything changed because they pressed through and they met with Jesus. We hope you enjoyed listening to the Country Hope Church podcast and that this episode blessed you. If you've got any questions or prayer requests, please don't hesitate to contact us through our email, connect at countryhope.church. If you'd like to subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode, that would be fantastic. Otherwise, we hope to see you either online or in person at some point soon.